You are listening to Wilhelm, a film-centric podcast for film lovers of all kinds. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Wilhelm. I am your host, Ben Beck, and on this episode, we are diving into our favorite films where the world is at risk. Uh, that's right. We're talking about our top end of the world, apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic movies. And my guest for this week is someone who is relatively new to podcasting, but I just have that feeling she now has the bug. Uh, so it just made sense to have her on. Please welcome Jamie Dimmick. Hi. Is it safe to say you've got the bug? I've got a little bit of the bug. I've got some nibbles. And I don't mean like I don't mean like sickness bug. No. Although podcasting could be considered a sickness to some. It it could be. Um, not to me. I, I'm not about to go start my own podcast or anything like that, but I'll join in on other people's. Okay, so, so you've got the podcasting guesting bug. Yeah, I'll go. Okay. Yeah. That's more. That's more appropriate. Running uh, so, the podcast seems like a lot of work. That's not my style. <laughs> it's it's a challenge, considering it took me two years to get this podcast off the ground. Yeah, it's a it's a challenge. Yeah. But that was more time constraint than challenge of the podcast. And that is the reason I time constraint is the reason why I just really can't even think about running my own podcast. I I barely have time to to. To I barely had time to get this podcast running, and now that it's running, it's great. Uh, and yet, I'm still constantly trying to start new projects. I don't know what it is. I have a creativity complex. I don't know, maybe. So, it is what it is. But you know, as I mentioned at the top, we're diving into end of the world movies, which means uh, movies where the world has either ended. Or is it risk of coming to an end, uh, which also includes apocalyptic and post-apocalyptic movies? So I know from our previous conversations, we I think you included some zombie. A little bit of zombie. Which totally count, in my opinion. I stayed away from them only because we're going to be doing a further episode down the road about zombies for Wilhelm. So I wanted to keep my my choices for that to exclusively to that. I thought that was going to make my choices a little harder because I was eliminating a subgenre of what we were talking about. And yet I just like every other episode before this one, I have more honorable mentions in my top five. So I, it wasn't as hard as I thought because the chat, because the classifications of what, would fall into this category is actually relatively loose. It, it, you know, when I, when we say end of the world movies and I, and I, and I kind of say that means movies where the world has ended or is come or risk of coming to an end. When you say risk of coming to an end, you add a lot more potential movies to that list. Yeah. And there's, and plus you add in the post-apocalyptic line and that's, a whole there's a lot of movies out there that good movies yeah like that i mean 
when we when we say end of the world movies, it doesn't have to be a movie world where the world ended. It just means it was at risk of coming yeah. to an end, which actually starts to bring in disaster movies in a way. Right. I tried to keep them out of my top five, but I do have maybe one or two in my honorable mentions. So um, with that being said, I think we can probably dive into this if you're ready to go. Let's get going. Uh, Before we jump into the top five, we do have to let you know that neither Jamie or myself has consulted. We haven't revealed or discussed our choices to one another beforehand as to not influence each other. Uh, So I don't know her top five. She doesn't know mine. I don't know any of her honorable mentions. She doesn't know mine. Uh, Also, just a fair warning, we, we might talk in a little bit of discussion about each of these movies. So if you haven't seen them, we apologize if there are any spoilers that come out of it. You have been warned. Pause it, uh, go watch the movies because they're going to be great. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I say every episode is we're bringing, I mean, these are our top fives for a reason. So go and watch them. Like that's that's what we say. Form your own opinion. If you don't think it needs to be in our top five, then fair enough. Tell us uh, we're wrong. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the beauty of a top five too, is that you're not necessarily wrong. Un- unless your voice cracks like mine just did. Then you're really wrong. Uh, I apologize. I'm going through like an allergy burst this recording. So if I sound a little different, that's why. Um, Unless you put like Twilight in any of your top fives. Doesn't have to be apocalyptic. It could be vampire movie, whatever. If you you have Twilight in your top five, you're wrong. It just, you're automatically wrong. Unless it's top five worst. Well, that, okay. There it could qualify. There it could absolutely qualify. This podcast I mean, should really be named Ben Hayes Twilight. <laughs> well, I mean, and with the top five, I feel, especially with a broad topic like this, I feel like give me a week and I'll change my top five again. You know, I'll throw some movies in or out. So, yeah, because yeah, you'll think of other ones that you didn't think of before. Yeah, or somebody could influence you. Like, you know what? You're right. That movie is better than the one I picked. And I think... I, like I, I can almost tell you, I can almost guarantee you, and th- and this is the reason why I like doing this podcast and doing it in this format is there are there will probably be one or two in your top five that I completely forgot about or haven't seen before, you know. And this gives me the reason to want to go and check those movies out or revisit those movies and see exactly what you're talking about and make sure you're not crazy. Uh, but that said, let, yeah, let's get, let's get into it. Uh, starting at number five, what have you got for your number five favorite end of the world film? Wally. Wally is a good choice. It and it totally fits. Totally fits, but it's unexpected. But it was honestly my fir- the first movie that popped into my head when I thought post apocalyptic was Wally. Yeah, it. I mean. And it fits because there are human beings in the movie, um, but they're not on Earth. Right. Because the Earth, it ended. I mean, it's it's, it's a garbage heap. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, I think that that is one that actually totally fits. I See, now I'm already reconsidering my top five. <laughs> because Wally is a great movie. 
It's a fantastic movie. It's one of my absolute favorites. I mean, and they do return to Earth at the end, but during the telling of that movie, I mean, and even when they return to Earth, the Earth is still, they've got, still garbage. They've got one little plant, and it's That's not even true. a pizza plant. Yep. Yeah. So, oh God, Wally's a great choice. I like that one. That's a movie I've actually been wanting to go back and rewatch for a while, and I just haven't done it. Uh, well, you've got the rest of today. <laughs> well, and you also have kids, so it makes it a lot easier for you to go back and... Oh, my kids hate this movie. Really? I watch it by myself. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. They're toddlers, so it's whatever they're into or nothing else right now. Yeah, I get that. I get so, that. Yeah, it's dinosaurs or cars or sometimes Sesame Street. Wally, I've tried several times. I don't like this. I don't want to watch this. But just sell them. Just say, like, look, he's got tires like, like a car. Yeah. He's a I, car. And it's a spaceship. Yeah, cool. no, the kids, they have no taste yet for Wally, so. Yeah, some kids never get taste. <laughs> it's fine. Yours probably will, but hopefully in time. Hopefully in time. Yeah. Uh, my number five, I said I stayed away from the the zombie genre, but I did not stay away from the monster genre. My number five is I Am Legend. That is yeah. an amazing movie from 2007 with will smith uh i there are people that i don't and i don't get it like i mean there are some people that count 28 days later in the zombie genre and nope. i don't because they're not they're they're not zombies they're infected yep uh i've heard some people call uh i am legend a zombie film Vampire. Yeah. You read the book. It's vampires. Yeah, they're 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 more vampire than zombie. So all those people that like that count I am legend into the the zombie genre. I'm like, what do you what do you, what drugs are you smoking? Like they they can't go out in the sun. Like that is a vampire. That is not a zombie. I mean, it, it, well, the reasoning is because it's survival horror, and for the most part, survival horror falls under the zombie category. And that's why people will put 28 Days Later and I Am Legend into that category of zombie, even though it's not zombie. It's survival horror. Yeah. yeah. Which is but, an amazing genre. Oh, yeah. Survival horror. 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 Uh, <laughs> survivor <laughs> horror is, is, a, is a, I'm hoping to do an episode of, of Wilhelm on just survivor. survival. <laughs> if you learn how to say it. Horror. Maybe you shouldn't do an episode. I, just, on it. I know it's I, my biggest fear is being able to say it properly on the episode when I do it. Uh, brain not fully functional yet today. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. I think that's probably part of the issue is that they automatically equate survival horror to the zombie genre rather than vampire or monster or anything else. Yeah. And I mean, I'll argue until I'm blue in the face that 28 Days Later is not a zombie movie. And I'm, and you agree with me, and that's because we're right. Uh, right. And they're wrong. Anybody who puts I Am Legend into the zombie genre, there's no doubt, there's no questioning their insanity because they're wrong. The original movie and the book all call them vampires. So canon is vampire. 
Zombie. Well, I mean, and, and I can see also how some people might equate it to zombie. I mean, especially when you look at when you look at what happens to his dog. Um, oh, I know, I know. Oh, trust me, I'm doing a whole episode of Wilhelm on saddest movie moments, and that is probably going to make my list. Uh, but I mean, it it is almost like a transformation, like a zombie transformation. Yeah. So I can see how some people might equate it to zombie, but it's not. No, it hits the marks of a zombie movie, but it is not a zombie movie. Yes. I, I actually, even AMC, like a couple of years ago when they were hyping a new season of The Walking Dead and they did like a zombie marathon to lead up to like the first episode of one season. Like I distinctly remember putting up a Facebook post. It was like, dear AMC, while a fantastic piece of survival horror I need to inform you that I Am Legend is not, in fact, a zombie movie. What was the What was the reply? Nothing. I mean, most of the people were agreeing with me. I had, like, most people agreed with me, but I didn't hear anything from AMC. Well, no, I don't. That's what I mean. Like, not yeah. from AMC because I figured AMC didn't respond. They, it's already in their time slot. They're not taking it out because one person <laughs> on Facebook said anything. Yeah. Um, I was more. Well, no, I said future. Other. I said future zombie things. I I allowed them to have it that time. <laughs> Oh, it's nice that you gave them permission to use right? it this time. Yeah. Exactly. Because I, mean, I have all this there, power. So yeah. It was already in the programming. There, it, you know, better not make I will, a think about it. I will say I haven't seen it in any other zombie things that they've done. So maybe. Maybe they saw your post. Maybe. I was more curious what other people online were saying. And um, it's good to hear that most of them were, were agreeing with you. Most people agree with me. I, th- I think for the most part, people just didn't want to fight with me over it, which. Really? People didn't want to fight on Facebook? That's like Most a pastime now. <laughs> I don't have a lot. I've cleared out a lot of people who fight. Most people don't seem to want to argue with me. That's like a national pastime now. It's like that's like that's like something people wake up to wake up in the morning purposely just to do. <laughs> I, I you know it's it's become a hobby is to argue on Facebook. I know because I used to be one of them. <laughs> you. <laughs> No. See, now I just do it face to face on Zoom <laughs> with certain people who have been guests on this podcast already. Uh, and I've already called them a pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> on our episode, I called them a pain in the ass. Uh, cool. So uh, back over to you. Uh, number four. Uh, fits right in 28 days later. Okay. Um, yeah. Now, I know it's it's more... I'm, you know, I was a little loose with the description because it's, I think it's still just Britain at that point. Yeah. I don't think it's gone worldwide. I think 28 weeks later is more the larger scale of everything yeah. that has happened. But yeah, 28 days start. later, I think it's just the UK at that point. Yeah. Cause they even mentioned like this infected little Island. What are they going to do with it? Yeah. That's a good choice though. I mean, again, it's, we we talked a little earlier about how it where it fits and it's more um because 28 days later is a rage virus these people are still very much alive uh they're not undead there are zombie like features in that they just want to kill um but they are not in fact zombies so it Correct. does not qualify as a zombie movie uh, but it is still a good choice because the world literally is coming to an end. And I, th- I think there were plans for a third one that just never got made. Like, I think they were going to do a 28 months later. That's what I 
thought too, but it's one of those things where I was never sure if it was concrete or if it was just, you know, internet rumor. I think there was, I think it was in pre-production and just never, never, never took off. Out. But it is a great movie. It's such a great movie. As much and as it, it's not a zombie movie, it's still a great movie. It's a fantastic movie, but, and it, it started changing the horror genre at that time. Like it was, things were starting to get back to like campy, which I love campy in its time, but this was back to, this started bringing us back to scary horror movies, which was nice. Yeah. Um, Cillian Murphy is amazing in that movie. Uh, even to the point of his, uh, to the walking dead, ripping off the opening of that movie. They, were done at about the same time. It wasn't ripped off. Um, okay. Well, either way, they both ripped off the stand. Yes. So that is true. They both they, ripped off the stand, but they can't, but they like the movie. I forget like either the book was already started and submitted when the movie came out or the movie was already in production when the book came out. I forget exactly which the timeline was, but they were both like, cause I, I thought the same thing and I actually looked into it, but one was set in stone before the other one. Like they couldn't have ripped off each other. It just happened to be. It just was coincidental that they were, they were both doing this. Yeah. I mean, and when you look at that too, when you look at, when you look at that particular moment of waking up in a hospital during and something that has, that's a post-apocalyptic or that's apocalyptic. It makes a lot of sense. It's not something that is so clever that it was impossible for two people to think of the same idea. Right. And if you're like Robert Kirkman was the whole point of my story is it happens after the initial apocalypse. It's the story of continuing survival. So he didn't want to get into this is how it all started. So if you're going to skip the start, you need somebody who just wakes up. How are you going to, where's that person going to be in the hospital? It makes sense. Yeah. And then I think 28 days later, keeping the budget down, it was the same thing. Like why show how it started? You know, how are we going to be able to show what happened without, having the big crazy stuff. Yeah. And also it's a cool way of storytelling is like figuring out what happened. And again, being in a hospital, waking up after a coma is a really easy go-to for, well, how did we, how do we start in the middle without? Well, that's always been one of my, one of my favorite things about survival horror and the zombie genre um, in particular is that, you know, and, and Kirkman took that idea and ran with it, and others have done it since, in that, you know, we don't need to know why it happened or how it happened. All you need to know is that it happened. Right. Uh, and, and that's enough for the story. You know, Kirkman never revealed how the zombie apocalypse took place. Um, even Zombieland, which in and itself almost made my list, if I was including zombies, uh, would have made my list. Uh, even Zombieland itself, there's literally one line in the opening there's, of the movie yep. of Mad Cow became Mad Human. Okay, I guess we know how this happened. That's all we need to know. The infected gas station sandwich. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and, and that's that's all we need to know. So, but yeah, I've always been a fan of that. Like, you don't need to tell the whole story, just enough to make it entertaining. Yeah. And you're and you're right. And 28 days later, does that with with that opening and does it for the rest of the movie too. Yeah. But again, to the listeners, not a zombie movie, not a zombie movie. I'm going to keep pushing that point home. 
<laughs> I'm going to get emails. I'll uh, fight. I'll fight with you. <laughs> Tag you. me in. I've got a, I've got a, I've got a non-zombie warrior on my side. It works. <laughs> <clears throat> so my number four, we're, we're getting away from the horror genre. Uh, for which is very easy to fall into when it comes to end of the world, and it's my favorite genre. So <laughs> it's one of mine as well. Uh, you uh, you are also going to be joining me again for the horror episode, which will come in a couple months. We're not doing it yeah. just yet. It's more that's closer to October. That's going to be one that's going to be very difficult to I, get a top five. I've already been thinking about it, and I've changed it. A hundred times. <laughs> my number one has and will never change. My it's, num- my, it's my other four. Yeah, no, my number one is my number one. And then there are other ones that need to be in there where they fall. But Yeah. And I think there might even be another. I don't know who it'll be yet, but we might bring a third guest into that one, too. So to bring in more movies for a top five. But uh, but no, my number four, I'm kind of getting away from the horror genre. I'm getting away from the action genre um my number four is actually a rom-com believe it or not it's a movie i saw for the first time over the last year and a half and i really enjoyed it it is a movie called seeking a friend for the end of the world i've never actually seen that one but i was curious it's steve carell uh kieran knightley uh adam brody uh, Steve's wife Nancy is in the movie. Uh, Rob Corddry. It's it has a it has a great cast. And the basic premise is that uh, Steve Carell's character Dodge and his wife, uh, like the movie opens with them sitting in a car listening to the radio broadcast about how the attempt to stop the asteroid that's going to hit the Earth failed, and the uh, the world will be ending in a matter of days. And so it starts yeah. very grim. Yeah, but you know, like the way this movie works, there's no like, oh, maybe things will change. Maybe the asteroid like, you know, from minute one of this movie, this movie is ending with the world ending. Like there's no yeah. questions about it. And because of that news broadcast, she leaves him. She literally <gasps> walks out of the car and never comes back. Wow. So she leaves him to face the end of the world by himself. Oh. And it's a matter of him just kind of like taking a journey on where he wants to be. And he meets somebody along the way in Kira Knightley, who they just kind of form this bond with one another because they're both these lonely people that are facing the end of the world by themselves. And by the end, they're facing the end of the world together. And it's very... There's a lot of humor to it, but it's very. There's a lot of heart to the movie. Uh, Critically, it didn't do well, but you know what? I don't always go by critical acclaim. Yeah. There are movies that have been like raked over the coals critically that I absolutely adore. Yeah. I mean, critics can give you an idea, but I always go by my friends if I'm not sure about it, or sometimes I'm like, you know what? I'm just curious what this movie is. I'm going to watch it no matter what. Yeah, exactly. Um, so this is one of those movies that I, I recommend to people. Like if you, if you don't want anything, like if you want something with some heart to it, but you don't want anything too heavy, 
like just know like there's no miraculous thing happening that's going to like oh they found each other like right before the world ended and now suddenly the world's not ending no they found each other there and but the world is still ending like there's no getting around it um you know oh i remember what it was now he takes a shit. um he takes a trip to to find his high school sweetheart before he dies Aww. and he ends up meeting Kieran Knightley's character. So um, it's a great movie. I highly recommend it to people. It's, it's different. It's, it's yeah. different. So um, all right, back to you. What's your number three? Uh, the second movie that popped into my head with this topic um, and one of my favorite movies that I can watch at any time because it is so much fun. Mad Max Fury Road. This is not the first time Mad Max. This is not the first time this movie has been brought up on this podcast. <laughs> uh, anybody who's listened to previous episodes knows that Jason brought this up as one of his essential movies to watch. And he is not wrong. <laughs> he is not wrong. But anybody who heard that episode also knows my point of contention with that movie is that I refuse to call it Mad Max Fury Road. It's just Fury Road. Because Max is pointless to that movie. I'm not going to argue that point at all with you. Okay. He is pointless to that movie. But uh, I still enjoy the movie. The movie is still fantastic. Absolutely. 100% agree with you. It is. Because, I mean, I, I have Mad Max, the original Mad Max, in my honorable mentions. Um, I think any Mad Max movie fits. Absolutely. Mad Max, Road Warrior, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, which is actually my personal favorite of all the Mad Max <laughs> movies. It's so cheesy that <laughs> I just love that movie. Um, I mean, how can you go wrong with a midget sitting on the back of a giant? Like, <laughs> you know, well, named Master Blaster. Like, this is... <laughs> how do you go wrong with that? But You no. don't go wrong. It's perfect. Um the action in Fury Road. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. I mean, it, you do need Mad Max to be a blood bag. You need him for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's pretty much the only point. That is his only point of existence in this movie. But the movie is about Furiosa. It's not yes. about Max. No, it's not. It's about Furiosa. It's like I said, I'm not going to argue with you at all about it, not about Max not needing to be in the movie. Mm-hmm. I, but I don't think that detracts from the movie in any way either. I mean, and Jason didn't make a valid point too, that if you were to have just called it Fury Road, it wouldn't have got the same attention that, it, that it got. Um, and, he, and he does make a valid point about that. But as far as being a Mad Max movie, it's not. It's Furiosa's. Like, it's Furiosa's film. And I think that's part of why I like it because there's not enough female-led movies, especially in an apocalyptic genre and Charlize Theron is a badass. Oh, so badass. So badass. I I mean, yeah. Yeah. Like God, strong, strong women in this movie, which, Oh yeah. I mean, it's a very heavily female led film. Yeah. Which is part of why I love it. What they should have done with the movie is what the fast and furious did with Hobbs and Shaw. They did fast and furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. 
because then you didn't need the rest of the Fast and Furious cast to know that this movie, they should have done Mad Max Presents Fury Road. Yeah, but... It doesn't have the same ring to it. It doesn't have the same ring to it. I'm forgiving it its title because it's just such an excellent movie. And I mean, all this... So much of it was practical stunts. I know not all of it, but so much of it was like practical effects and practical stunts, which is still kind of rare in movies nowadays, which always has to be mentioned when you talk about this movie. Yeah. And and I I'm I'm a big fan of practical effects. Like I if you tell me the movie has very little CGI and it's more practical effects than anything else, you've got a better chance of me watching it. Uh I mean you a prime example of that is the reboot of Evil Dead. Uh, 95% of the effects in the reboot of Evil Dead, even though Bruce Campbell is not in the movie, uh, he kind of is. <clears throat> He's an Easter egg at the very end of the film. Right. Um, all he does is just turn his head and say groovy, like at the very, <laughs> very end of the film. Um, but you look at that movie, 95% of that movie, including the scene at the, the ending where it's raining blood, is all practical effects. There's one scene in the very beginning of the movie that's CGI. Everything else in that movie is practical effects. No, I don't think I knew that. Yeah. But that, that's they cool. said that even that, that final scene where it's raining blood during that final battle, they had to bring in like, like four or five tanker trucks of fake blood just to that's rain. Amazing. Yeah. It's, I, amazing. I really enjoyed that movie, mainly because Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell were producers on it. Yeah, no, I enjoyed it too. So there was actually a there was actually a deleted scene. I know I'm getting off topic, um, yeah. but it happens every episode, so it's fine. Uh, there actually was a deleted scene in that Evil Dead where Bruce was supposed to be in the ending where he because the the lead character I forget her name is just walking down the road by herself at the end, and a truck was supposed to drive by and pick her up and it was supposed to be ash and it was actually going to bring the two universes together but then ash versus evil dead happened which was perfect i missed that that show show so much oh my god yeah i made a friend because of that show (laughs) i'm friends with one of the cast members of that show so that is true yeah i I can't complain Uh, no Um, that show was perfect if you haven't watched ash versus evil dead and you have any liking to that genre or to those movies, you have to watch it. It's just perfect. I, I, I wish I was able to say that that friend I made was Bruce Campbell, but it's not. <laughs> Although my friend is supposed to, she's been promising me a conversation with Bruce and she still hasn't paid up on it. <laughs> so we'll see. Uh, but no, back to Fury, <laughs> back to number three, uh, Fury Road. It's a good choice. I, I put up a point of contention about the title, but it's the movie is fantastic. Yeah, the uh, the driving scenes, like the 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 chase scene in that movie, is just it's it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. So, have you ever seen the black and white version? No, I didn't know there was a black. Oh, and white there's version. a black and white version of Fury Road, and it's phenomenal. Oh, I'm gonna have to find that. It's the same movie. Yeah. It's just in black but and white. It gives it a different feel. It does. It does. Yeah. And it's it's really, really good. That's a movie I really need to like as much as as I said, as much as I have the problem with the title, I haven't watched it in a while. I should go back and rewatch that one. 
I, I just rewatched it because they popped in my head. I'm like, no, nah, I need to see this because yeah. it's just, it's fun. Well, that's like even after um, Mar- the, the previous episode before this one, Mark and I did our, our top John Cusack films. <clears throat> and I'm sorry, two episodes ago, uh, we did our top John Cusack films. And I had to go after we were done recording my number one. Uh, I hadn't seen it in a couple of years. And I, when we were done talking about it, I'm like, yeah, I need to go back and rewatch it. And I did. I watched it that night. I saw you post what your number one was. And my friend used that movie to sound like whenever he'd meet a new girl, he asked if she saw that movie. And if the answer was no, he's like, Oh good. Then you'll find me endearing with some of my questions. (laughs) (laughs) It's fitting. It's very, very fitting. If you don't know what movie we're talking about, go back and listen to that episode. If you haven't already, that's one of the reasons why I haven't said it. That I picked up on that and and didn't say it either. (laughs) Uh, All right. My number three, is another movie that I have, speaking of movies I haven't seen in a while, uh, is a movie I haven't seen in a while, but I rem- I know for a fact how much I love this movie. It's completely ridiculous and uh, just stupid, stupid humor. My number three is This Is The End. That was on my honorable mentions. <laughs> it's, I mean, the cast alone is phenomenal. Um, you know, James Franco, Jonah Hill, Seth Rogen, uh, Jay Baruchel, Craig Robinson, Danny McBride, Michael Sarah, Rihanna, Mindy Kaling, Aziz Ansari, Paul Rudd. Um, it, it, the cast goes on and on and on. And every single person in that movie plays themselves. Some of them very exaggerated versions <laughs> Of themselves, I'm thinking specifically of Michael Sarah. Right. Um, but the movie is so. I mean, you want to talk about an end of the world movie, this is it. I mean, this is the world is literally ending. They are partying and the rapture starts when they're all at a party at James Franco's house. And you see some of these celebrities go to heaven, some of these celebrities go to hell. Uh and some of them don't get don't go anywhere until the very end when they dance with the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> which is one of my movie. favorite moments of the movie. It's such a fun movie. <laughs> it's, it's a, and that's exactly what this is. Like this is a fun, just put it on and don't analyze it. Nope. Just <laughs> just watch it. It's raunchy humor. Um, so if you're into that kind of thing, well, I mean, and that's pretty much a given when you look at Seth Rogen and James Franco as the leads of this movie. Right. But it's one of those movies that just like, if, if you're into raunchy humor, just put it on and just sit and watch. Like, don't try and figure anything out. Don't worry about plot back. points. Nothing. Just watch it. Sit back. Enjoy your popcorn. Yeah. Exactly. It's a movie that I missed out in theaters and I actually regret. Yeah, I caught it at long after it was out of theaters. Me too. And it, it was one of those movies that after I got done watching it, I was like, why did I not go to theaters to see this? Because it would have been so much better with an audience. Absolutely. And I, I regret that I didn't do it. But it's another one of those movies that I 
I'm looking at the cast list and they completely forgot that Channing, Channing Tatum is in the movie as well. <laughs> and they just remembered the role that he plays. Um, yeah, it's it's one of those movies that I feel like I, I really should go back and rewatch because it's been a couple of years since I've seen that one as well. So, uh, number two, where do you stand? Number two... I am picking more for, okay, you can, you're probably going to give me shit about this. A lot of people are going to give me shit about this. We'll see. But <laughs> I like this. I really like this movie and I like what it does because you don't see this very often. Okay. In this type of movie. <gasps> world War Z. Because you actually travel the world seeing how the apocalypse happens in other countries. I don't know why I would give you I would give you shit for that though. A lot of people don't like that movie and I, don't I enjoyed know, it. I enjoyed it too. Now, yeah. completely different than the book, they need to do another movie that follows the book because the book was awesome. Well, but the, I I've read the book as well. The book is more like it, the the interviews told more yeah as like uh, like eyewitness accounts. Yeah. is what the book is cuz I've read the book as well and I really enjoy it. Yeah. I like Max Brooks. I love Max Brooks. Um, I I would really like to see them make a film version of the the handbook. Yeah. Um, you know, make it like a goofy comedy kind of thing, you know, uh, akin to his father, his father's kind of humor. I'd love to see them make a, a movie of the zombie, the the, the zombie handbook. Absolutely. Uh, but World War Z, I I enjoyed. I I thought I enjoyed. I thought the way they handled it, like the, how you actually got to watch everything unfold. And the fact that you got to travel the world and see how everybody handles the zombie apocalypse was something you hadn't really seen before, at least not well done. And true. It truly made it an end of the world movie instead of just like, Hey, this is what's happening in Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah. And um, rumors of, well, they're, they're handling it better or just like news reports and stuff like that. Like you actually got to see Israel. <laughs> well, I mean, and, you, and you're right because of the differences between the book and the movie. Uh, it was a different it, it was different. I mean, you were seeing something different than anything you had read. So it was almost like World War Z was taking one of those witnesses and telling his side of that story. Yeah. In the form of Brad Pitt. Right. I, what they did, to, instead of taking, like, you know, they said, hey, we're doing this World War Z movie. So I thought they were going to take the interviewer and, like, travel, kind of the way the book is laid out, travel and be like, yeah. hey, tell me your story. And then you do, you know, you'd meet this person and you'd do a flashback and you'd see them telling their story. But instead, they had one person travel to all these different places and have all of these experiences. Yeah, which exactly. Works. It it definitely worked. Um, I and think he had a been... reason to be traveling, which was nice. Like it wasn't like forced. Well, what one of the things that I really loved about the promotion of this movie is, uh, and I don't know if this is a story that you know about, but when the movie was hitting theaters, and I know this because I was at one of them. Um, I'm so jealous. Oh, so I know you know exactly where, where you're going. going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Brad Pitt toured the country just randomly showing up at random movie theaters. He just would pop out before the movie and say, Hey, 
Hope you guys enjoy this. Come out and said hi. Like he didn't shake hands or take pictures or anything. He literally, it was a minute to two minutes. He would pop in, say a couple words about the movie. Hope you guys enjoy it. And poof, he he went on his way. And yeah, I was at one of the advanced screenings in Philadelphia where he showed up. He is my forever crush. <laughs> and to have been just in the same room with him would have made me so happy. Like when I heard that, I was like, I could have been in the same room with yep. Brad Pitt. <laughs> no. Um yeah, it's he it was it was a cool experience. It was it was almost kind of surreal because at the time that that had happened i was still this was before i was moderating panels this was before i was really heavy into a lot of the interviews that i was doing so i was still in that mode like i don't get starstruck now it takes somebody really big to get me starstruck um and brad probably still would be one of those people um but i'm i'm really good at suppressing it so you don't know that I'm starstruck until like afterwards when I find a nice quiet corner and I'm like, Oh my God, it just happened. Um, <laughs> which is probably what I would have done. But at the time I still wasn't through that yet because I was still relatively new to doing press and journalism and such. And yeah, so it was kind of a surreal moment that he walked in with that. And I was by myself. Like I, I went to the screening by myself. So to just like look at the strangers next to me who had the same shock and awe <laughs> on their face, just been like, did did that just happen? <laughs> because like you don't process, you didn't process it until he left. Right. It's like there's the excitement that he's there. He says a couple words and then he leaves and you're kind of like, holy shit. <laughs> that was Brad Pitt. That was Brad Pitt. Holy it wasn't crap. a lookalike. That was Brad Pitt. So, yeah, that was a cool experience. Uh, but no, I think that's a fitting choice. I mean, again, it fits into the zombie genre, which is post-apocalyptic. The world is is about to end at that point. Well, I mean, it's at risk of ending in yeah. World War Z. Um, it's certainly gone to shit. It's definitely gone to shit. So yeah. there's definitely the those elements. And uh, completely not practical effects, but the waves of zombies was just really cool to watch. And I'm a traditionalist, whereas zombies don't run to me. Yeah. And that's what I prefer when it comes to the zombie genre. I was okay with it in World War Z. Exactly. Which is why I thought you might fight me on. Or disagree with me on this movie and I other people who have problems with this movie because of the way they treated the zombies I'm not going to argue but I enjoyed this movie I enjoy watching how they handle the zombies and some of it was just scary and cool and but I mean I, yeah I wouldn't give you shit for that I I think that fits I I really do um so I don't yeah I don't have an issue with that <laughs> yeah cuz I know a lot of people have a problem with how well one just the movie in general and then two how they handled the zombies and i was like i don't care yeah. i like watching this movie i like the way they did it i think it was and that's, a unique and take that's, and that's exactly it i mean you look at 
like I'm I'm a very traditionalist when it comes to zombies. I like my zombies to be slow moving. I don't want them to run. Um, they need to be dead. So 28 yep. days later doesn't count. But then right. again, there are there are exceptions to that rule. World War Z was an exception to that rule for me where I didn't mind that the zombies ran. Um, uh, the other one of the other exceptions to the rule for me was the movie Warm Bodies, which is a completely ridiculous <laughs> zombie movie. Um, but I think there are elements of brilliance to that movie. Um, right. You know, again, going off on a little bit of a tangent here, I had Rob Corddry on my other podcast. I've had him on a, a number of times. And one of the times we got to talk about Warm Bodies because I really do like that movie. And I gained a whole new perspective on that movie because Rob Corddry plays a zombie. And he says the biggest challenge to that movie is that he has no dialogue. But he had to portray conversations without dialogue because there are literally there's one moment where him and oh God, I can't remember the main character's name, who is also a zombie. They're sitting at a bar in an airport as zombies having a conversation, but neither one of them are talking. <laughs> and I'm like, that's that it might not be a great movie, but that's kind of brilliant. Yeah. You know, I mean, the whole idea of that the love of a woman will cure you of being a zombie is utter horseshit and ridiculousness. Uh, maybe you just haven't met the right woman yet, though. Maybe. <laughs> it, it could be. That's probably true. That's <laughs> yeah, probably true. Sorry, I haven't met the right guy yet. So. <laughs> yeah, you know. But so it's, you know, uh, it, there are exceptions to that rule in World War Z fits. <clears throat> um, my number two is a movie that I feel is very underrated and I don't think enough people have seen this movie. And one of the reasons why I really I, I really enjoyed this movie is because I filmed a zombie movie about 10 years ago and I got to film a scene of our zombie movie in the same place that they filmed this movie. Oh. Uh, and that is a movie from 2009 called The Road. Uh, I have not seen that. Viggo Morganson, Robert Duvall, Guy Pierce, Charlize Theron, who we, we both said were fans, um, and Garrett Dillahunt, also in formerly Yay. known as John Dory. <laughs> I say formally because that's the reason I don't watch Fear the Walking Dead anymore. Because you killed that, off the, the only, only character that kept me watching. He's the only no, I there are a number of reasons I don't watch Fear the Walking Dead anymore, but he was the only thing that kept me watching every week. Because I love I love Garrett. I love him so much. Like I'm a fan of him from Raising Hope and like, I that's yeah. And, and you know, Sarah Connor Chronicles, and he's the reason why I want to jump into Deadwood and um, You need to jump into Deadwood you'll, and Justified because he's in both of those series. So, um, but no, the road is it's 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 post-apocalyptic, where it's him and it's Viggo Morganson as the lead, and him and his uh, and he's like an ailing father, and it's him and his son trying to get to the ocean. Um, and there is a particular scene in this film that is where the two of them enter into a dark tunnel. Uh, that tunnel is actually an old abandoned turnpike tunnel out in central Pennsylvania. Oh. It's about a mile long. Uh, so it is a mile of tunnel with no power, 
no lighting, nothing. It is creepy as shit. So, of course, it was appropriate location for us to film a zombie movie in. Absolutely. Um, and it was really cool when we found it and we reached out to the people that, you know, run the area because a lot of um, the, 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 that section of Turnpike is actually a bike trail. So there, there are a lot of bikers that go through that tunnel. Uh, you know, obviously with lights on their bikes and stuff like yeah. that. But I mean, it was really cool because when we toured the facility, they showed us like up above where a lot of offices used to be, which I didn't realize there's so much more to those tunnels than just a tunnel through a mountain. Like there are ventilation systems above it and like office areas. I mean, and you don't have to go far before it is pitch black. And one of the coolest moments was walking in probably like a good... 50 yards where like we couldn't see next to each other. The only thing we could see was when we turned and looked, we saw the archway from outside. That was the only light there was. We couldn't even wow. see, look like we couldn't even see our own hands in front of us. I love stuff like that. <laughs> that is No, that is really awesome. Love stuff like that. But I'm getting away from the movie. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to reveal too much of the plot. Um, because the plot is very spoilerish. So if I really reveal anything, it kind of, it gives it away. Um, just go watch it. But it is a, it is a definite watch movie. Um, Viggo Morgan is, Mortensen is fantastic. Charlize Theron is fantastic. Um, it's one I highly recommend. Uh, but I think that leads us to our number ones on this list. Uh, mine... I want to say mine might surprise people, but anybody who really knows me probably will not be surprised what my number one is. Uh, but you're going to go first. What do you? What have you got for your number one on this list? Um, I just want to say, to clarify, my top five, the numbers could switch at any given moment in time. Okay. <laughs> so, um, but I went with The Book of Eli. Another of my honorable mentions. Um I am not a okay. I don't want to say too much um, because the <laughs> yeah, end really that, is a major spoiler. The end, is, but even just the way it's filmed, like the toning of it and everything, you feel the desperation and everything. And Denzel is amazing in that so movie. So good. Yeah, he is fantastic in that movie. And um, yeah, when you get to the end. Yeah, it's um, another great cast. I mean, in addition to Denzel, Mila Kunis, Gary Oldman. She is so good, too. Um, yeah, there's the, the, the cast is fantastic. The movie is, is really well done. I, again, I'm not a religious person. So the ending didn't have as big of an influence on me as it does others, but it was still a cool twist. Yeah. Regardless. I am a formerly religious person. Okay. So I, you kind of get, I understood it. Yeah. I understood the impact of it. Oh, I, I totally yeah. understand the impact. Absolutely understand the impact. And um, it wouldn't have impacted me as much as it impacted everybody else. Right. So, but, yeah, it's it's a good movie. Um, 
yeah, it's it's Denzel as a blind man traveling across the country um, protecting a book. Um, yep. That right. alone can probably, you can probably figure out some stuff about <laughs> the movie. I think... I did not think about it um, until I watched the movie. And then watching the movie, it was kind of a big reveal to me. Yeah, just the way, because like you said, you you get the plot and you're like, oh, I can figure it out. Yeah. But you, when you're watching it, you don't no. figure it you, out, which is, you, that's like, a lot about the movie. <laughs> I mean, well, because it's played off really well where, you know, they're kind of like, okay, like, what is this book? Like, is this a is this a like how to survive book? Like what, like what book is this? That's so important. And they leave you wondering the entire time and And until the end. Yeah. And then the reveal is revealed and you're kind of, Oh yeah. The clues were there the whole time. And I didn't pick up on any of them because I was willfully ignorant at that time. I willfully ignorant a lot, but at that, for that movie, I was, I was willfully ignorant. Uh, no, that's a good choice for your number one. Uh, again, that's on my honorable mentions, and because it it had to be brought up at some point, right? But I'm I'm glad you listed that as your number one. My number one, as I mentioned, anybody who truly knows me would not be surprised that this is my number one. Uh, if you don't know me, you might be, but anybody who knows me would not be surprised. My number one is a little film from uh, 2013. Uh, starring uh, Nick Frost and another pretty relatively famous guy named Simon Pegg. Uh, and it is The World's End. I kind of figured you were going to pick that one. <laughs> yeah. I. This movie is part of the Cornetto trilogy, uh, also including Shaun of the Dead, which in itself would fit into a end of the world film. And Hot Fuzz, which does not qualify <laughs> as an end of the world film. Uh, that would be a greater good film. I I loved this movie so much. And I still love it. And I like Paik is going to be joining me for an episode later on down the road when we talk uh, Edgar Wright. And we talk, we go, we're going to dive deeper into The World's End and Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead and baby driver and Scott Pilgrim. So like that, I'm looking forward to that episode. Uh, but world's end, I had to just to share another experience. Um, similar to the Brad Pitt moment. I actually got to attend a screening of the world's end with Simon Pegg, Nick Frost and Edgar Wright. You have done so many cool things. <laughs> and not only this was a double feature, where they showed Hot Fuzz before uh, the world's end. So oh, I got cool. to watch two out of the three Cornetto movies with the stars and director of the Cornetto trilogy. That is awesome. And then after the movie, they did a Q&A about world's end. And this was an advanced screening because the movie had, this was like three weeks before the movie even hit theaters. So I got to watch the Hot Fuzz in a theater full of people who love hot fuzz, which made it so much better. Yeah. I wish they would have done Shaun of the dead. I wish they would have just made it a whole Cornetto trilogy night. Cause I would have, I would have sat for the whole thing. Cause you technically have an unfinished trilogy now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like just put Shaun of the dead in there too. Like it's not difficult. I'll show up two hours earlier to watch it. It's fine. Right. Um, so I got to watch Hot Fuzz with a bunch of fans who loved 
hot fuzz. And then I got to see an advanced screening of the world's end three weeks before it hit theaters with the stars and director of the movie. That's so which awesome. was, and when I mentioned earlier, like there are some people I would still geek out over. Um, I've met Nick Frost. He is a incredibly nice guy. Uh, Simon Pegg would be one of those people I would still geek out over uh, because I, 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 I love Simon Pegg. Anything he's in, I'll watch. Uh, uh, but I mean, I can understand End, that. But World's End is a very fitting movie to this category. Um, you don't realize it until the end that that's really what this movie is about because it's played off so well that for the majority of the movie, it's literally just guys. I mean, the premise of the movie is that it's, it's these five guys that return back to their hometown to finish a pub crawl. They started when they were teenagers. And then things just go to shit when they realize that everybody in the town is a replicant, uh, you know, is an, is an alien copy of them, of who they used to be. And it turns into this battle to save the world in which they fail. And the right. world, well, they don't fail. They stop, they stop the aliens, but in return, it causes the world to end. Right. Uh, due to the choice that they make. So the world, it, it becomes a post-apocalyptic, it, it's a, it's a pub crawl movie that becomes a <laughs> post-apocalyptic movie by the end. Like that's brilliant to me. And it's one of the reasons why I just, I, I love that movie. Um, I have posters of it. I mean, you can't see it. Obviously listeners can't see it. But the <laughs> three posters on my wall in the back are Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz and The World's End. Because yes. I, I love the Cornetto trilogy. Um, Did you watch Staged by any chance? Staged or Spaced? Staged. It was a quarantine project for um, Michael Sheen and David Tennant. Oh, no. Okay. So the first... It's hysterical if you like them at all. They're playing I themselves. Do. Yeah. They're playing themselves exaggerated versions of themselves, but they're playing themselves. Highly recommend staged. It was a uh, BBC quarantine, but like they all do it like Zoom style, talking to each other and stuff. Oh, and I'm already sold. Yeah. They're um, prepping for a play that they were going to do, but now they're, they're going to practice during quarantine so that when everything opens up, they can be the first ones out there and make all the money is the premise of it. Okay. But they're crazy and fighting and, it's, but there's a second season that came out and they're doing an American version of it, but they don't want David Tennant and Michael Sheen. So they start interviewing other people and your boys are in it. Oh, and, Simon yeah. and Nick are both in it. Yeah. As one of, as the option, some of the options to <laughs> take over. All right. And it's called staged. Yes. It's a TV. It's a TV show, like short, but it, but it's BBC, so it's it's, it's BBC. So BBC is always yeah. pretty short film or short. Yeah, film. I know you can see it on Hulu, but I think you'd really enjoy it. Oh no, I definitely want to check it out. <laughs> yeah, it looks like it's it's fourteen episodes. Yeah. So so yeah, um, yeah. Well, because I know that they did a they did a short for Good Omens as well um, as their characters from Good Omens, uh, and but it was just a digital short that they did. I 
I think during quarantine as well. Um, but I, 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 I love Michael Sheen and, and David Tennant. I love I David Tennant from too. Doctor Who. Absolutely. That is exactly why I love him. And yeah. Harry Potter. That's right. That's where I saw him first was Harry Potter. <laughs> oh, I saw, I saw him in Harry Potter before I saw Doctor Who as well. Yeah. Um, but now I'm going to have to watch stage just because you said Nick Frost and Simon Pegg are... Because yeah. you're yeah. Because when you said, I'll watch anything they've ever seen, I'm like, you know what? I bet you Ben hasn't seen stage. Like, nobody... I, and I'm looking at like I'm looking at the the cast. I see that Georgia is in it as well, yep. which would make sense because that's his wife. And she's gotten a lot of bad reviews that she's not believable as his wife. She's his actual <laughs> wife. I know. That's so ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> bad reviews that each. Whoa. Like I am looking at the cast of this show. And a lot of it is like one episode people. but Yeah, the second season, I think, is going to be more your style than the first season. Oh, I'll still watch it. Oh, yeah, I think the first season's been better. But But, I mean, Whoopi Goldberg, Ben Schwartz, Michael Palin, uh, Jim Parsons, Samuel L. Jackson, Kate Blanchett, Josh Gad, Judi Dench, Christoph Waltz, Ewan McGregor. Holy shit. Yeah, most most of that is the second season. and most people are playing themselves. I think Whoopi's the only one that jumps out jumps out at me is not playing herself. And Ben Schwartz is playing a guy named Tom. Okay. But yeah, everybody, everybody else is playing themselves. I'm I'm going to check this out probably <laughs> later today. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, it that's amazing. There was a clip running through Facebook, like at the beginning of quarantine, that made me look into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, because David Tennant and Michael Sheen. That's like, awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. It's fantastic. I will check it out for sure. Yeah. The first season is great, especially if you love them. First season is fantastic. The second season is just a little more bonkers, which is a little more fun. I I love the fact that, and I'll I'll wrap up this on in this note before we go into our honorable mentions. But um, you know, talking about Georgia Tennant, I I love the fact that like you can't get any more Doctor Who than David Tennant because of the fact that he played the doctor and he married the daughter of another doctor. Right. You know, because she's she's her maiden name is Moffat, you know, so she is the daughter of another actor who formerly played Doctor Who. You know, you can't get any more. Because I think in the show. Who was she in the show? I I, I want to say she was related to him in the show too. Like I almost want to say like she was his daughter. No, she wasn't his daughter. Uh, I learned like I honestly didn't learn about her being like I didn't learn about her other than just like oh that's his because he had a podcast I listened to too. So uh, I don't know. I didn't go back to to the show and remember like recognize her if you know you know what i mean so i don't know the answer she was his daughter she was his daughter in that episode so like that's what i mean like when you can't get more doctor who than david Tennant is georgia moffat played his daughter played the doctor's daughter she was actually a doctor's daughter and he ended up marrying her in the end like that's just i love that so all right (laughs) enough tangents Um, (laughs) but that was a worthy tangent. That was a worthy tangent. Yeah. I mean, and it stemmed from somehow from the world's end. 
Oh, Simon Pegg, <laughs> which led to staged, which led to, got it. Okay, found the track, yeah. found it, yep. Uh, let's dive into some of our honorable mentions. Uh, I, you know, I already mentioned Book of Eli, which was one of mine, and Mad Max, which I brought up when you talked about Fury Road. But what's some of the other honorable mentions on your list? Um, I think our friend Pake will be very mad if we don't put A Quiet Place as an honorable mention. Yeah. See, <laughs> when you said our friend Pake, my mind went to another one of my honorable mentions, but A Quiet Place okay. is definitely one of them, too. All right. So throw the other one out. Uh, we're talking Snow, about Snowpiercer. <laughs> yeah. Snowpiercer absolutely qualifies as an end of the world movie because it has the world is ended. Like these are the last human survivors on a train. Well, these are the last human survivors and they're on a train <laughs> saying it as these are the last human survivors on a train could be like, what about the human survivors on a plane? <laughs> these are the last human survivors and they're on a train. So, but no, 12 Monkey, uh, 12, nah, damn it. I just revealed another <laughs> one of my honorable mentions. That's um, mine too. Okay, good. <laughs> that almost made my list. Like I actually had it on, like it's, it went on and off my list. Yeah, I was very close to, it is my first honorable mention because it was so close to making my top five. Yeah. Uh, you know, Bruce Willis, Terry Gillum directed, like that is a, it's and, a weird movie. And Brad Pitt, again, another Brad Pitt movie. Um, it is a weird movie weird movie the final line though that My. i'm in i'm in insurance had sparked so much conversation when they get on the plane and uh the doctor sits down like everything you know the bruce willis's mission has failed and then they show the plane and it says i'm in insurance so it's like are you in insurance are they gonna save the world now are you th were you already there to be a backup if everything failed before? Mm. Like I just remember like watching that movie coming out and just having hours of conversation about what that little line meant. Well, but I think that's also part of the brilliance of that movie too, is because that final line means the ending of that movie is truly left to interpretation. Yep. You know, it's like, okay, I told this much of the story. The rest of it is on you. Yeah. I mean, and you'd look at, you know, Terry Gillum, is a brilliant director. Um, and I really wish he would do more. Um, but he really hasn't done, he really hasn't done a lot in terms of directing. He's done probably like 20 plus movies, but notoriously um, there really aren't many that people know of. Uh, 12 Monkeys is one. Uh, the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. Um the Fisher King, which notably I would know because of Robin Williams, uh, 12 Monkeys, Brazil, Time Bandits, and The Adventures of Baron Munchausen are really the only ones that people would know. Um, Fisher King had a very different feel than all the rest of them, but Time Bandits, 12 Monkeys, Adventures of Baron Munchausen, like they all fit into like, this is really odd. <laughs> And but they're brilliant. They're all fantastic movies. Oh, I got to do a Terry Gilliam movie episode. <laughs> yeah. I now that I'm thinking that. about it, I have to. Yeah. Because there's so much good stuff in there. No, I mean, and then not to mention Monty Python. I mean, the brilliance of Monty Python. I've been actually falling back in the holes rewatching episodes of Flying Circus. Uh, I love Monty Python. Yep. Um. And Monty Python and the Holy Grail was in my top five of most essential films. I 
we'll not argue that point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, going back to um, a quiet place, which I meant to say instead of 12 monkeys, uh, that absolutely fits. I mean, civilization has, is dying. Yeah. Is, well, is being killed to, to these aliens. And that's such a great movie. It is a really a great movie. The, the fact that there's little to no dialogue in that entire movie. Um, I want to see the sequel. And I will see the sequel. Uh, by the time you're hearing this, the sequel, I think, will have already released. Uh, because we're at the time we're, we're recording a couple weeks ahead of time. So by the time you hear this, the, the movie, I think, might have released already. Uh, my only fear with that movie is they did add new cast to the film uh cillian murphy who we mentioned earlier from 28 days later was added as well as a number of other actors um the more actors you add the more opportunity for dialogue and i think that was one of the brilliant that was one of the the big brilliant things of the first one is that there was little to no dialogue yeah and my only fear is that's kind of going to be diminished in this one because of these new cast members I can I can see that fear, but I'm going to reserve judgment until I see it. I, oh, agreed. I'm yeah. I still I still want to see it. And the the advanced reviews are like it brings more scare than the first one. Ooh, and I'm I like, like yeah, like <laughs> that I want to see it. Yeah. I love jump scares, and it takes a lot to get me to that point. I will fall for a jump scare. <laughs> Not all of them, but I will fall for a jump scare. I, see, I'm I'm such a horror buff, and I've seen so many horror movies that I'm I'm relatively desensitized to it, to the jump scare. When it's a good one, it will make me. But you, yeah, I can usually see it coming if I can see it coming, and not and, not and that's me. just it. And most horror movies, I can usually I I know the formula, I know the pattern. Okay, something's about to happen that's going to make me jump. Yeah. It's those jump scares that you tried your hardest to make sure I wasn't going to see it coming. Those are the ones that get me. Yeah. Um the one in particular I can think of like I like for example, like the scream movies. I love the scream movies. <laughs> They're so much fun. They're so much fun. There's one moment in Scream that made me jump when I saw it in theaters, and it wasn't anything that happens during the meat of the movie. It's when the father falls out of the closet after they're dead. <laughs> because I thought the movie was over at that <laughs> point. but And I completely forgot about the father. So when the father falls out of the closet, I was like, holy shit! Like, that's that scared me. Um, but most notably of recent ilk, and when I say recent, I'm talking like still five or six years. The one moment in a movie that that made me jump really, really badly um, is in the movie 10 Cloverfield Lane, which I loved. I love that movie. Um, there is a scene with Mary Elizabeth Winstead and John Goodman, and I forget the other guy, where they're sitting at dinner, and Mary Elizabeth Winstead and the other guy are having the conversation, and you can tell John Goodman's character is getting annoyed, and he slams his fist down on the table to like stop the conversation that made me jump. Yeah. Because no, that, that, that came out of nowhere. Yeah. That. So uh, let's get back to the honorable. Back to the honorable mention. <laughs> this, this episode can be called tangents here and everywhere, Yes, uh, but I'm fine with it. So you mentioned 12 monkeys. 
uh, A Quiet Place, Snowpiercer. What's another one of your honorable mentions? Um, Cabin in the Woods, which. Yeah, it fits. It fits. It totally fits. And that's one I didn't think of. And I left it out because I want to use it later. (laughs) Okay. I know where you'll be using it now. (laughs) Probably. Uh, I I might want to use it later. I'm not officially sold on it, but that one was one that jumped into my head as, because it totally fits. And it's such a fantastic movie. It's an, oh, I love that movie. And very early Chris Hemsworth too. Yeah. Like Uh, came out after, yeah, filmed pre-Thor, but I think came out after Thor. No, I think Kevin. Really? Yeah, because they filmed it. They had it sitting for a while. So Cabin in the Woods. Before they released it. Cabin in the Woods was 2011. Um, You you might be right about that. Cabin in the Woods was 2011 and Thor was 2011. Wow. Yeah, so Cabin in the Woods probably came out after Thor. Yeah. Cabin in the Woods was released. Let's see. I'm not, I'm not doing this because I don't believe yeah. you. Uh, no, Cabin no. in the Woods was April. Oh, no. Cabin in the Woods released April of 2012. It was filmed in 2011, but it, it was released April 13th, 2012. And then Thor, uh, May 6th of 2011. So Thor came first. Yep. So Cabin in the Woods was, was after Thor. Wow. I thought Cabin in the Woods was older than Thor. Technically, because <laughs> I get because it sat for a while. It was filmed first. Yeah, yeah, it was filmed first. Yeah, but it was it came out, which actually is kind of smart on the filmmaker because you let Thor come out first, let and Chris then, Hemsworth get that notoriety. Yep, and then you bring out this other movie that he's in, and people are like, "Oh, I want to see this now" because Chris Hemsworth is in it. Yeah, that's kind of yeah. brilliant, actually. That's good marketing. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but Cabin in the Woods is such a it's such a great movie. That's one I try to watch maybe once a year. It usually falls into my Halloween yeah. rotation. I, I, I tend to watch like 30 days and 30 nights or 30 movies and 30 nights in, in October and Cabin in the Woods usually falls in there somewhere. Yeah. Um, that's a good one. That's, that's a good one. Um, Armageddon is another one I, of my honorable mentions. I would put that up there. Um, so embarrassing thing about that movie. Uh-oh. Totally cried. Oh, and I, I absolutely cried. I don't cry at movies. <laughs> oh, I do. I'm such, a, I'm such a big baby now. Oh, no. I'm, I'm a daddy's girl. Uh, so <laughs> I've, I've found that the older I get, the more, the easier it is for movies to affect me emotionally. Yeah, but that one made me cry, like, seeing it in the theater. <laughs> oh, I cried in the theater, too. I, I absolutely cried in the theater. And that was 98, yeah. so I wasn't, I, I was in high school at the I time. Was, I was in high school, too, and I was a tough, I was a tough girl in high school. I didn't cry. <laughs> um, so I'm in but, the theater, like, with my boyfriend, like, <laughs> hiding, the, like, trying to hide the tears. <laughs> And you know, and you know, what's funny too is 98 is also the same year the Titanic came out. And I remember I, going to see Titanic opening weekend because the girl I was seeing wanted to see it. And I remember her calling me heartless because I didn't cry when Leo died. I didn't cry during Titanic either. 
like she's bawling her eyes out in the car after the movie is over because of how sad that movie is. And I'm being called heartless because I didn't shed a single tear for Leo. But yet when Bruce Willis says goodbye to his daughter on the video screen, I'm a blubbering friggin' mess. Oh my God. I was such a mess. (laughs) Yeah. It's, I get it. And you know what? And I think I still, I don't watch that movie nearly as often as I used to. Maybe every couple of years, I'll, I'll go back and I'll watch Armageddon because it is a great movie. Like, I really enjoy that movie. Um, I think I'll still get a little choked up at that. Scene. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I think it starts. It's I think even before I think in the theaters, the first time I saw it, it was when Bruce Willis is saying goodbye to to his daughter. Um but I think the older I get, I start to get a little emotional even before that with Bruce Willis and uh, Ben Affleck. When yeah. he's like, you know, like, your job is to take care of my daughter now. And like, I'm like, Jesus, like, what the hell is happening to me? <laughs> <laughs> you get older, you get more emotional. That's true. Uh, what's another honorable mention? Okay. This is specifically in the honorable mentions because it doesn't technically fit, but okay. the, the feel fits. Escape from New York and L.A. I think they totally fit. Because the um, world isn't at risk, per se. It's the the locked up penal. But, that, but the area that those guys are in has that post-apocalyptic feel. Yeah. So like that's why I put it in honorable mention, because great movies. Fun. And they have the post they have the apocalyptic feel, but not yeah. technically the world at risk. It's yeah, it's the world isn't the, the world isn't at risk, but they definitely have the post apocalyptic feel to them. So I think I think yeah. New York and LA totally count, and both great movies. Yeah, I know LA doesn't get um as much credit as New York does. I still loved LA. I mean, yeah. Buscemi is great in that movie. Bruce Campbell is in that movie. Um, I mean, and Kurt Russell as Snake Plissken is just an iconic role. Oh, God, yeah. I haven't seen either one of those movies in a while. There's always, I always have a list of movies I need to watch when I'm done <laughs> recording an episode of this podcast. But that's why I do it. So Right, because... Yeah, exactly. Um, I only have one more honorable mention on my list. Uh, and this is kind of a ridiculous one, uh, Ooh, but this is one that I actually really enjoyed this movie. Uh, the core with Aaron Eckhart, um, Hillary Swank, Stanley Tucci, um, a number of people, uh, Delroy Lindo. Uh, it's, have you never heard of the core I before? I like I have an image in my head, I think of like seeing it come across, but I've got nothing. So, on the core. <laughs> so basically, the the premise of the core is that there are these strange occurrences that start happening uh, on Earth of weather anomaly and like magnetic fields being interrupted, which cause like birds to attack and fly weirdly, or like just drop dead out of the sky. Like, there's all these weird occurrences that start happening. And they start to realize that the reason behind this is because the core of the earth has stopped moving. Ooh. Um, so basically the heart of the planet is, is dying. Um, so they have to get to the core of the earth to jumpstart the core. 
Um, it's a very scientific-laid movie in which the science, I don't know if it checks out or not because nobody <laughs> has ever been to the core of the earth. Um, but it's basically these guys like taking a, a craft to the core of the earth in order to uh, set off bombs in the molten core to get it to start spinning again. Huh. Um, it's such a guilty pleasure movie of mine. <laughs> That I, I I could not at least mention it in honorable mentions. Um, and I got to talk to Stanley Tucci about it um, at a con one year uh, when I was when I was talking to him about like movies, like everybody was talking like Devil Wears Prada and like all this stuff. I'm one of those people that like if I talk to somebody, I like to bring up a project they probably don't get to talk about that often. Right. Yeah. Um, so when I got to talk to Stanley Tucci and I said, like, I I'll be honest with you. I'd much rather talk the core. And he literally put his hand on my shoulder. He's like, my friend, we can talk the core. <laughs> and like, I love that because it's, it really sparks conversation in them because you can tell they don't get to talk about it that often. It's something right. new for them to talk about. So it's a totally ridiculous concept of being, of having to go to the core of the earth to jumpstart it with like nuclear bombs but it's a fun movie. It's such a fun movie. And it's a and it's a good cast. Like I said, Aaron Eckhart, Hilary Swang, Stanley Tucci. It's it's a fun yeah. cast. So, and of course, as you can predict in any kind of disaster movie, not everybody makes it back. Right. You know. That would be too happy ending <laughs> if it worked. So, actually, uh any what was that? I had one I had one more like series kind of thing that I left as an honorable mention. I, well, I was just going to go back to you and see if you had any more. Yeah. Just one more, which yep. was, um, Planet of the apes. Yeah. Also, also fitting. I mean, yeah. Cause the, the time of man is over. Yeah. And the remakes were, I really enjoyed the remakes. The remakes are so good. So and good. they just kept getting better. Yeah. Um, planet of the apes, rise of the planet of the apes and war for the planet of the apes. And, and War for the Planet of the Apes 100% fits, and I was going to put it in the top five, and then I was like, you know what? They all need to live together in the honorable mention. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, another Franco movie uh, yep. in, in Planet of the Apes, although Planet of the Apes isn't really... Um, uh, that that one doesn't really fit into the, the post-apocalyptic because that's really the start right. of, of everything. Um so, uh, you know, but uh, like Andy Serkis is, is like, he is an amazing actor and deserves more recognition for what he does. Absolutely. Uh, you know, playing, playing Caesar in that movies. Um, and I think it's, uh, oh no, I don't think there is a planet of the apes. I think it, in that, in the new ones. No, they all had their, it's rise of the planet of the apes. Weren't were there three or were there only two? I thought there were three. I thought there were three too, but I know there's rise, there's war. Um, what the hell was the other one? Dawn. Dawn. Yes, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Yes. Um, and each one of them gets better. Agreed. Each each one of them gets better. I mean, Woody Harrelson in War for the Planet of the Apes was just. <laughs> deplorable but i love him. <laughs> I loved him so much um no that's a good choice too and he like whether it's the new ones or the originals um 
And one thing I will say about the new ones that I really loved that they did, and I, I wish they would have had an opportunity to kind of capitalize on it because I think they're done with the the new yeah. Planet of the Apes movies. Um, in the first movie, in Rise of the Planet of the Apes, they set up Planet of the Apes. Yeah. In that there's a news story about an astronaut leaving and I think them losing communication with him. I, I feel like the whole, and I could be pulling this entirely out of my butt. I may be making this up. So disclaimer. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the whole point of these movies was to set up the original, not to remake it, not to reboot the original Planet of the Apes movie, but just to set up for it. Oh, it was basically just to set the origin of the Planet of the Apes. And that yeah. makes a lot of sense. Because they, they wanted to honor that one as was and not. Yeah. Because anybody it. who has who has seen Planet of the Apes, or even if you haven't, I mean, the premise of it is, is that it's this man who crashes from space onto a planet that is overrun by apes who are in- incredibly intelligent. And then the big reveal at the end of the movie is that this is Earth. Yep. And it's just been overrun. Um, and like I said, in the first movie in Rise of the Planet of the Apes, they set that up. Yeah. You, you get the story of the, the astronaut leaving and losing communication which I think was fantastic. So maybe you're right. If you look at it in that sense, that that's all they wanted to do was just tell the origin of how this happened, then mission accomplished. Yeah. Um, like I said, I'm, I have nothing to back it up. I, if somebody tells me I'm lying, then I will not fight them. But I think that I feel you're like prob- I remember hearing that right. that was the, that that was the plan was not, you know, keep the original as it is. We're not hurting the original. We just want to, build yeah. the story a little more you're you're probably right i that, that makes a lot of sense makes a lot of sense because that it makes a lot of sense why they di- haven't made another one since war for yeah. the planet of the apes because the way war ends yeah it's absolutely yeah. like the next step would be planet of the apes yeah so it's a good call though it fits um yeah so that was our top five as well as our honorable mentions i'm sure there are some other ones in there that we didn't even bring up uh some that i'm i don't feel fit the category and some i just haven't even i've just completely forgotten about uh but i'm gonna turn it over to you not that you would exactly have a lot to plug because like you said you you don't have a podcast of your own um but if you want to mention some other podcasts that you've been on before um and plug that or any other projects you have going on uh the spotlight is yours you you're free to promote whatever you want um if you watch uh incredible on amazon which i highly invincible invincible oh my goodness yeah (laughs) invincible sorry um if you watch invincible on amazon i which i highly recommend uh adult superhero cartoon panels to pixels I am on doing I, with Mark uh, Kirkman. We do we covered the first season, and when the second and third seasons comes out, we will cover those. And then Mark and I are going to get together for his other podcast, uh, Adrenaline Cinema, soon. And that is all I have. Do you know what movie you're doing for Adrenaline Cinema? Goonies. Oh, that's right. He did mention that. <laughs> he did mention Goonies. Um, I kept telling him though, you need to bring up and now you need to do it because I don't think he will. You have to talk about the octopus scene. That's not even in the movie, but it is a deleted scene of the movie. I will Um, have to. I think it's on YouTube. I think you can find it. Like there is a deleted scene from the Goonies where they find an octopus. 
That's amazing. Um, they mention it in the movie. Yeah. Like when they're recapping everything that happened to them after they're rescued, you know, like data says in the octopus and the cops like the octopus. And as an audience member, you're like the octopus. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I thought it was just because they're going because they cut it. Oh, wow. um, but I'm pretty sure it's on YouTube. I'm pretty sure you can find it. Oh, I'm sure. Every, yeah. Everything's I'm going to be looking YouTube. that up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely look it up before you do that episode. Uh, but yeah, Panels to Pixels is a great podcast that Mark has done. And I was excited to see that you were doing Invincible in there. I still need to watch it. It's so good. Like every episode is solid. I'm I'm watching Modoc right now, which is another Marvel series, but I don't think Mark is covering it on Panels to Pixels. I think he's in a little bit of a hiatus with Panels until Loki comes out. Okay. Um, which by the time you're hearing this, I think has already happened. Um <laughs> So definitely go to Panels to Pixels to check that out. And go, yeah, go in the back library li- uh, library and check out the episodes that you did with Mark on Panels as well. And it's shorter because they released the first, Amazon released the first three episodes in one shot. And by the time we got to record, there were four episodes. So it's four episodes in one, ep- you know, four episodes of the show in one episode of the podcast and then the other. And then each episode you did another. And then the other, yeah, yeah. the other four. Cool. So. Um, I'll put it in the show notes where people can go to find uh, panels to pixels as well as adrenaline cinema as well. Uh, but uh, as far as I am concerned, if you like what you hear on this program, be sure to rate and review the show on whatever podcasting platform you listen on. The more reviews, the bigger the audience we can get and the more people we can reach. Uh, also be sure to follow Wilhelm on social media, facebook.com slash the Wilhelm podcast and at the Wilhelm pod on Instagram and Twitter. Finally, if you want to be a guest, I'm absolutely open to it. Uh, Or if you have an idea for a topic or theme you'd like to hear me cover, film franchise you want to hear us talk about, uh, a debate you want to hear us settle, or just a movie you want to hear us take a deep dive into, you can let me know by messaging me at any of the places I mentioned or by emailing me directly at thewilhelmpodcast at gmail.com. Jamie, thanks a lot for coming on and doing this. This was a lot of fun. I know we went off. I know we went off on some tangents. <laughs> well, um, just a few. But we're both fans of these kind of movies, so as well as other kind of movies. Mm-hmm. As long as our tangents stayed on the topic of film, which they did. Except for staged. It still counts. <laughs> it, it had actors. It, it had actors uh, like David Tennant, Michael Sheen, and Simon Pegg. And it, it, was, okay. it related to the subject material. Okay. So I was fine with it. As long as we weren't going on topics like, oh, speaking of Snowpiercer, I, Snowpiercer, I took this train ride. Uh, <laughs> you know, as long as we weren't doing tangents like that, I was fine. Okay. As long as our tangents are on film, that's all that matters. <laughs> okay. So, uh, but thank you again for, for coming on. This was fun. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. And you'll be back. I will be back. I we can't wait an, to do it again. We have a couple of different episodes you're going to be coming back for. Uh, the horror episode closer to October. Uh, you're going to be back on. I know you're going to be one of the people that's coming in and talking Harry Potter. Heck yeah. With me. I think you and Mark are going to come on together at some point. We're going to dive into some Mel Brooks. Yes. Um, yeah. We're, it's going to be fun. You'll be back and we're going to have more fun when that happens. Uh, but until then, thank you everybody for listening. Thank you for being a part of this audience. Uh, and until next episode, we'll see you guys around the bend and down the road. Take care. Bye.